This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. One-on-one interviews with the people who've left a lasting imprint on the government and the nation. Now your host, Aileen Black. Welcome to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking to Janice Glover-Jones, Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer, DIA. We live in an amazing city, Washington, D.C. D.C. is rich in history and people who made and are making history. Our nation is what it is today because people had dreams and the inner force to make it a reality. Janice Glover-Jones has harnessed her power of belief to reach success that only decades ago would not have been possible. Janice is the Chief Diversity, Equity, and Conclusion Officer for the Defense Intelligence Agency. She recently completed a detailed um, uh, project or, or assignment at the Defense Intelligence Agency to Dell, the commercial sector, for 12 months. Janice began her career as a GS-1 administrative assistant and has been at DIA for the past 33 years, where she served in a series of successfully more important Janice is a true leader and a legend. Wow, Janice, very impressive. It's a pleasure having you on Leaders and Legend. Well, Aline, thanks for the opportunity to be here with you. And again, I want to say thank you because uh, I think I was with you a couple of years ago and the fact that you remembered me and gave me an opportunity to come back. I am deeply humbled by this opportunity. That's right. You were a guest on us, uh, Women of Washington, uh, probably five years ago. Yeah, it's been a while. You know, I love hearing the accomplished in the journeys of legends like you. It, it excites me, reminds me w- what a great country we live in and, and what a good world, what good things are happening in the world today. If you have a dream and you believe in yourself and you're willing to work hard, anything is possible in this country. It's, it's simply electrifying. I have to share with our listeners, just having been with Janice before and, and uh, being with her today, you can just feel her commitment and her belief in her energy level. Now, Janice, you are a woman of purpose with strong spiritual beliefs. Um, what gave you your inspiration uh, that helped you be the successful person you are today? You know, I, I think uh, I grew up in between uh, the Washington, D.C. area and South Carolina. And I come from a family that has strong family ties and strong family values. And I saw... Uh, my grandmother, my mother, and my aunts and my uncles just have a strong sense of purpose. Uh, even when I was young, I, I probably didn't label it purpose, but um, I saw them with grit and with fortitude and resilience. And I think um, that was instilled in me at an early age. And growing up on a family farm, you put in a lot of hard work. And that's where my work ethics was birthed out of. Wow. <laughs> Uh, you, coming from the South, I meet uh, many people who have started out in a small t- town, especially in, in the southern region, that really just that hard work and uh, that ethic of, of getting the job done has really inspired them to where they are today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can testify to that. Uh, and it was coming from a place where, you know, I didn't realize till we got older, we didn't have a whole lot of means, but what we have, we even gave what we had. And so um, it was just birthed in me that you work hard enough, you'll make it. There's many kind of riches and not Mm -hmm. all of it is money. Mm -hmm. Now, you are a woman, as I mentioned before, of purpose and strong spiritual beliefs. Uh, Can you share what that means and why it's important foundation that aided you to where you are today? 
So one of my values is faith. And as early as I can remember, you know, I tell people I was born in a church. Uh, we, we came from a family, the whole house went to church. And not only did you go, but you was active in church. And so faith has been a big part of my life and who I am. And I value that because I recognize that I didn't get here on my own. Uh, I have a story that I could have never written and that doors and opportunities were given to me and open for me um, through the divine power and people just reaching out and helping me. Well, you know, do you believe that internal strength is found from many different um, sources? Uh, can, can you believe? Do you believe that really makes a difference in helping um, you achieve what some people believe is the impossible? If you look at some of the tech visionaries, and you recently, you know, spent twelve months at Dell, um, like Michael Dell, Steve Jobs, Diane Green, mm-hmm. individuals like that that have clearly strong convictions and strong beliefs. Maybe not all spiritual, but certainly uh, strong beliefs. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's an important element? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, Michael Dell, if you if you read his story, he talked about how, you know, obviously his parents was not happy when he wasn't going to be finishing college. Um, and so he had to, to go in and convince them. And I believe that even if he had not convinced him that that sense of purpose of this is what I need to do would still have been yearning on the inside of it. And eventually he would have done it. And right. And he negotiated that. Let me get through this year. And, and I think he has posted on either his Twitter account. Um, it's pinned there. If you look it up, it shows his first earnings. And he said, this is what finally convinced his parents that he did not need to go back. So it was a, a strong conviction in what he believed in and what he felt in the building of Dell Technology. So absolutely, I believe that that is, it's in it, wherever that drive comes from and the foundation that each individual has, it's there. So what was it like? Uh, you've been 32 years, um, uh, 33 years, I'm sorry, in um, you know, uh, public service, and then you spent some time. What's what's the difference between public service and, and the private industry? Yeah, so first let me give a little bit of context. So prior to joining Dell on this uh year-long rotational opportunity as a government employee, uh, I was in their commercial sector. I had no commercial experience, and I was walking into a series of unknown. I didn't know anything about their culture. I ended up on their diversity and inclusion team. I wanted to do something different. I had no prior experience in the diversity and inclusion space. Um, Coming in from the intelligence community, it was foreign to even be working from home. So to be able to work remotely and work from home, I did not relocate to the Austin, Texas area, but I did do a lot of commuting back and forth. And, you know, while there, those were some of the, the differences, but one of the main difference was, you know, our mission. When I think about DIA's mission, which is, you know, foreign intelligence mission is to develop um, scouting reports so that we can speak to our, Uh, speak on our adversaries and to help the United States prevent and win wars. Likewise, at DIA, we provide the warfighters themselves the best possible intelligence. So coming from that mission space and going into the Dell's mission space, which is driving human progress through a greater access to better technology, it was different, but yet there are some similarities there because something that a lot of people don't know is that Michael Dell actually has a military members in his family. So it runs deep for him. And then from a federal business perspective, it's hugely important to Dell and Michael Dell personally 
that, you know, he gave the opening keynote speech at the Federal Tech Forum in D.C. And then he has a long history of being honored as a partner with both the military and the future military. And then recently in the Austin area, you have the um, Army Futures Command that is there and Dell is making a big presence in that. So there was a connection there, but it was being so different in the commercial space and there were similarities, but I was able to still stay, remain connected to my mission and my sense of purpose that I had. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. And our guest today is Janice Glover-Jones, Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer, DIA. You know, you're talking about conviction. And and conviction is easy when you believe. And clearly, uh, Michael Dell not only believed in his conviction for his business, but he also believed in his conviction that our waterfighters should get the best technology available. Um, work is not enough when you truly believe and, and have passion. Your authenticity mm-hmm. shines through when you have it. Not everyone can recognize his or her inner passion. Now, Janice, you do some special work. Um, how do you take people, how do you work with people to, to find their true passion and, and, and to find it? You serve as an advisor uh, to the board of directors of the Metropolitan Basketball League. Um, which mentors, tutors, and organizes basketball tournaments and skills for youth um, ages 6 to 18 and adults to combat violence um, and deviant behavior in Washington, D.C. Um, tell us about that work and tell us about how you 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 drive that inner passion to help these youth and, and these other individuals, you know, find their uh, a good path. Yeah. So my brother-in-law, Kevin Jones, is one of the co-founders of um, Metro Ball Youth Outreach Organization, which is a uh, 501-3C nonprofit organization. And as you said, you know, it caters to youth and they have served over 500 uh, youths at risk living in the Washington, D.C. area. And one of the things that I do is that I... I, I work mainly with the board of directors on providing some guidance and on strategic planning, implementation, and then looking at their future. Um, at the same time, when you think about youths and when you think about helping them connect with their, their purpose or their passion, right, it's really determined and what I encourage them to do is to really listen and observe from a very non-judgmental space. And when I talk about listening to them is seeking out to understand what are their interests? What do they naturally gravitate to? Um, When you're observing, when they're gravitating to that, what's their demeanor? What's what's their attitude like? Um, If they're excited, if they are engaged and encourage them to really – to be curious, to instill curiosity in them. I think that's how you you help them because, you know, when I think back when I was, you know, 13, 14, I, I didn't understand what I wanted to do at a, at a long, you know, when I grew up. Um, but now that you can reflect back, you see connections and you can begin to connect the dots and seeing the path that you were kind of ordained to take at that time. Finding what lights their fire. Yeah. And, and you know a lot of uh, you know youth today that are are not don't have a lot of means mm-hmm. um, have a tendency to um, uh, kind of already have a conviction of where their their life is going to lead. But your work there helps them 
have curiosity, as you put it, yeah. uh, finding other paths. Mm-hmm. Tell us how some of our listeners out there that would be interested in helping uh, an organization that, like that might get involved. Yeah, so um, they, the, during the summer months, so they're starting the basketball camps now, but they're welcome to go to their webpage, um, metroball.com. Uh, and like I said, it's a nonprofit, so they need donations. They need speakers to come and to encourage the kids. Um, whatever you can give of your time and your resources, I, I, they will be available to help you. I'm speaking with Janice Glover-Jones, Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer, DIA. Coming up next, we'll talk about the power of believing and about the current state of diversity in tech and why it is important for our national security. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking to Janice Glover-Jones, Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer, DIA. So, Janice, what shapes our beliefs and guides our actions taken in our lives and careers? How does confidence, conviction, truth-seeking, and self-care give meaning and context in our cultural lenses and life experiences? So when you think about life, right, um, life and success is not a straight line, right? It, they're, they're, I, I just, I just uh, looked at a piece of art. It's called The Waves of Life, and I can't call the artist's name, but it's a lot of twists and it's a lot of turns. And, and even in the ups and the downs, if you can take a moment to, to step back and say, okay, what is it that I need to learn at this space that I'm in? Even if it may be a very painful space, it may be a frustrating space or a difficult space, there's always lessons to learn in that. And I, and I find that once you can connect that and write it down, you don't see it all, all right when it's happening. But if you take the time to reflect upon it, and it actually can actually drive you to better understanding and giving you clarity, right? Because mm-hmm. I believe that oftentimes our purpose is born in our pain. Yeah, I, I always say I have four kids and um, I, I, I always tried to instill in them that a mistake is only a mistake if you do it twice, right? You, you need to use it as a lesson to learn from and, and sort of like a practice shot. Uh, do you do you mentor anybody and and do you inst- give that kind of advice or what kind of advice would you yeah, give? Yeah, I mentor I'm, I mentor people and um, I do more coaching now than I do mentoring. Certainly, youth I I, I mentor them and you got to mentor them from a different space, right? You almost got to use reverse psychology on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, the advice that I give is um, spend some time doing quality self reflection, but don't overthink it. Uh, and, and that's something that I, I have to be in practice myself, right? And be, be open to receiving feedback, um, actionable feedback that actually helps you. And then I tell them to um, try to live daily from a growth mindset perspective. You know, one of the books I read uh, a little over a year ago was Carol DeWick's Growth Mindset. Mm-hmm. I wish I really would have read that book when I was in high school, right? Um, it, it, it really opened my eyes and made me look at how your mindset uh, can control certain things, but really when you're on autopilot, you don't always see it. And so to be more reflective and understanding that you can develop the abilities and the the intelligent required for anything. You know, uh, Janice, you've had an incredible career, uh, decades of success on the high tech side. I've been a technology executive at Oracle, EMC, VMware, and Google, just to name a few. 
Um, and often, I was the only woman sitting at the table, and rarely anybody looked like me. You are a woman of color and super accomplished in the tech industry in the federal government. Over the decades, have you seen changes? Yes, we've seen changes, uh, slow, uh, but little steps and making a little progress. But certainly, uh, we have a ways to go as it relates to minorities and women in in tech, and more importantly, um, when it comes to reaching senior levels and being in roles of influence and roles of leadership, uh, we have a long ways to go. Um, With that being said, uh, what we also are seeing that 50% of women that are in STEM roles are switching to other fields within 10 years. So while we're getting the opportunities, they're not staying, and there are reasons behind why they're not staying. And um, so we we still have a lot of work to do. When I was at Dell, and even prior to me coming to Dell, when I was the um, chief information officer for the Defense Intelligence Agency, um, I partnered with Dell on a women in tech um, consortium, and that consortium is still going on where we are actually coming together, uh, private, public, and academia, to see what is it that we can do to continue to grow that pipeline and have that interest. And so we're we're just starting off, but we're going to be focusing on um, fourth and fifth graders in in elementary because that's that becomes a pivotal moment for them on whether or not they 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 stay. Um, liking math and appreciating math and science and understanding that they can they can actually do this. It, it, it's I, I that sounds like such great work. As I mentioned, I had four children. My my daughter Elizabeth, who now is finished law school, but when she was around ten, um, the state of Virginia has you take has kids take SOLs, mm-hmm. which is like a leveling, and she um, almost got a perfect score on her science and and math scores. And um, I went to her and I was trying to encourage her to follow that. And she told me she wasn't good at it. And she, she felt that she wasn't. She wanted to pursue something artistic, which she was very good at, too. But, um, you know, it, it, the, the framework of what a young girl believes in is based on everything around them. So do you work with these girls to help, you know, believe in themselves from that perspective? I mean, do you have any advice for parents out there? Yeah, the advice for um, parents, and yes, I do work with them. And one of the things I find out is I I have a 15-year-old niece. And really, you have to to come to a space where you're listening to them from a non-judgmental perspective and understands that sometimes they say things that they really don't mean, but you continue to encourage them and model the way. Um, They are listening to you. It may not seems or appear that they are listening to you. But they are listening to you. And I, and I had uh, my niece, who's very strong in, in, in math. She did uh, Kumon from the time that she was about three years old up into fifth grade for both math and reading. And she has a strong background in math. Um, teachers make a big, big difference. difference. And her ninth grade math teacher, she ended that year with saying, I no longer like math um, because of that experience. And so I'm trying to convince her to say, you don't let the experience of that uh, shape what you like about the subject because you're still capable of doing it. Um, and I said, you know, people have individuals and they, you know, they're individuals. They have good days and bad days just like you do. So trying to encourage her to say, you know, give it another try. The teacher should not change your perspective on math. And so 
constant talking, but a lot of listening and asking questions to just kind of see exactly where they are. You're listening to Leaders in Legend Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. Our guest today is Janice Glover-Jones, Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer. So, Janice, let's talk about that a little bit more about confidence or, you know, confidence isn't just born in somebody. They, they, you know, there's days that you and I probably have more confident days than others. It's about getting used to feeling uncomfortable and uh, and reacting. How do you instill that in, in some of the mentees that you work with and, and that, you know, again, mistakes are, are, are paths to learning? Yeah, so you hit on it, right? Uh, it's, it's being vulnerable. So I, I let them know that you're looking at me um, and I wasn't always one that would stand up in front of people and would talk. Uh, there are days I struggle with, no, I can't do this, right? There are days that the self-talk in my my head is not the best for Janice, right? That it is telling me, no, I can't do this or you won't win. And, and I tell them that what I've done is I've become aware of that and then I got to now counter that. And there are things that I use to counter that. Uh, meditation is one. Uh, you know, I'm getting into meditation. But also I believe in the power of affirmation. So when I look at, okay, I'm doing this negative thinking, I'm doing this negative talking, then I go back and say, okay, I counter that by speaking life into Janice and not waiting for someone else to do it. Um, so I think when you're vulnerable like that, you let them know I, we all travel this road and I don't care how far I go. I'm not going to tell you that I still don't get nervous. I still don't. Uh, uh, think, um, yeah, I can't do that. Who am I to believe that I can do that? And so it is you being vulnerable, you being real, you being authentic, I think helps make the connection and encourage people that if I did this, you can do it as well. So you you mentioned um, that somebody's self, uh, if you allow others to frame who you are based on on situations, you, you, you can actually derail yourself. So yeah. I got to ask you, in your you know 30 plus year career, have you ever faced bias where you've been put in a situation where, you know, you could have been left in that corner yeah. and not been able to get out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was uh, promoted to a senior executive in the federal government. I, I think it was 2007, uh, September or October of 2007. And that day when the announcement came out, um, I, I, they had warned me that we're going to send the announcement out. And I was so nervous and jittery that I got up from my desk and actually walked away. Then I forgot about it. And when I came back, people were, hey, congratulations, the announcement had came out. And so people were coming up to me. I received phone calls. And, um, and I recall receiving this one video teleconference from a colleague at that time. And individual leaned into it and he looked at me and he said, Janice, you know, you're a token, right? Oh my gosh. Yes, that was my reaction. And I looked at him and I said, everyone has an opinion. You have just given me your opinion and that's your opinion. I don't have to own it. And I hung up. But what that did in that moment was if I didn't have a strong conviction of my why and a sense of my value and what I brought to the table, I could have allowed that narrative to play in my head and it would have ultimately not gone good for me being a newly promoted promoted senior executive. And so I say that to say that you have to know your value, 
You have to know what you bring to the table, despite of what people think about you. And you cannot allow the narrative of other people to play in your head. I'm speaking with Janice Glover-Jones, Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer. Coming up next, we'll talk about the changing landscape and the role innovation will play in our future. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black. Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking to Janice Glover-Jones, Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer of DIA. Now, Janice, you, you have a great role there. Uh, it's a long title, uh, Chief Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Officer. So tell me about your role at DIA and why DIA made this. It's kind of a unique investment. Yeah, so I'm going I'm to I'm back into that answer by telling you why DIA made the investment first. Um, the work of the Defense Intelligence Agency, as I said, is to make sure that the warfighters never encounter a fair fight. Um, we want to give our warfighters and our allies this decisive advantage. And when we think about the emerging challenges that we face in the intelligence community and the multidimensional and how complex they are and how predicted unpredictable they are, the rapid speed and the volume and complexity of the environment is forcing us to relook at how we do certain things and on some of our practices along that. And so when we look at technology changing that fast, uh, we can no longer treat humans and technology as independent stovepipes. They're really an ecosystem. And so why DIA made this investment? Because they understood we are in um, really a VUCA environment where it's volatile, it's uncertain, it's complex, and there's a lot of ambiguity in there that we need to solve our problems from very different space. And we need both identity diversity and cognitive diversity and create that inclusive environment where we can bring innovation in to solve some of these difficult problems that we have. And so my role, while it's still shaping, um, I talked to the leadership and I said, look, uh, the primary responsibility of the Equal Opportunity Office, uh, which is a mandate by law, has been focused on compliance. Now it's time to take that maturity model to the next level and make it a little bit broader than just compliance. We will still meet the legal mandates, but we need to look at diversity and inclusion and equality through a different lens. It is a mission imperative, and we need to look at how are we going to gain the best and the brightest talent, and then making sure that when we get that talent, that we bring them in, that they can bring diversity of thought, that they can bring new approaches to these problem solvings, that they can challenge the status quo, and that we have these environments that we can then meet the mission and meet it at a mission speed and scale it across the world. Now, I'm going to switch gears here a little bit here on Janice. I'm going to talk about the talking. A few changes in the world uh, have created more uncertainty in the workplace. And you, you talked about the new challenges that the warfighter uh, is facing. And, and seemingly unsettling, the advances in artificial intelligence certainly has changed that environment for DIA. Uh, driving and leveraging innovation can make the difference between, for a corporation, uh, being here today or being gone tomorrow, right? And certainly in, in emissions as important as DIA's, that's got to be a driving force. Um, AI, cloud, 5G, quantum technology, just named a few, uh, are really changing everything we do in touch. I mean, McDonald's bought an artificial intelligence 
intelligence company. Um, the technology cycles are on hyperspeed, speed, and there certainly is a skills gap out there. Can you talk about uh, the changes you've seen in the needed skills to these tech, due to these technology advances and the need to innovate to stay relevant? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So you laid out the, the, the background very well. Uh, the, the changes are changing at a pace that we have never seen before. Um, I recently read an article where it says that uh, the students who are in college today, by the time that they graduate with a four or five year degree, 50 percent of what they learn, those skills will already have been atrophied. So when we look at the skills and the tools necessary uh, for us to try to keep pace, but also focus on the future of work and how these technologies will change the work roles in which we deliver our intelligence, we have to do a a big upskilling of our existing workforce, as well as hire new talent with some of these new skills. A lot of them is also going to be competencies, but from a skills perspective, when we think about data, you know, I believe that everybody needs to have a foundational understanding of data. Uh, When we understand data science, um, we will need some level of data science, but everyone doesn't necessarily have to be a data scientist, but a good understanding of statistics and and understanding a data foundation with data literacy will be key. When we think about the competencies, the ability to be able to operate in a in an ambiguous environment is key. Understanding change management because we're in a constant realm of change and being being able to understand the emotional uh, uh, and psychological tolls that happens through the change cycle is a part of just the natural uh, pieces of change. And then having the leaderships to be able to navigate in this environment and then to think about it, you know, right now at, at the Defense Intelligence Agency and throughout the federal government, we have five generations of work uh, of, of people in the workspace, we're not that far from six generations. And if you hire any summer interns, you will have six generations in the workspace. Six generations that have been educated differently, that have um, have different experiences, uh, that uh, some did not come in as digital natives, right? And so how do we get all five of these and six of these generations to communicate effectively, to value what each generation brings, to accept the wisdom of each generation, and to work work together at speed. Those are some of the things that we're looking at. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. And our guest today is Janice Glover-Jones, Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer, DIA. So, Janice, you're talking about a skills gap. And the skills gap isn't only people who are just starting out, but also people mid-career. Um, so what is the government doing? I mean, I hear what DIA is doing. But what what should the government be doing? Or do you have an opinion what industry should be doing? Because this isn't a problem only for government. No. This is a pro- problem across the, the board. I, I, I've read studies that most uh, jobs that uh, will actually be available for those fourth and fifth graders you talked about today don't even exist today. Exactly. There's going to be uh, a whole new career field, not only about data, but you know how artificial intelligence, you know the hyperspeed of the uh, you know the, the very tight interconnected uh, information that we all put out there on the internet is really changing everything and anything that we do today. So how and what can somebody do mid-career to help you know hyperspeed their career path to help take advantage of this this incredible yeah. momentum? Yeah, I, I think w- one of the first things that uh, I encourage people to do is to actually just start reading and 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 listening. 
and start understanding how tech is changing people's lives and changing their roles, right? If you think about the the simple, uh, the advent of a smartphone and the different things that a smartphone has taken, has taken over, uh, I, I tell people, you know, uh, when was the last time you literally physically went into a physical bank, right? A lot of people pay their stuff online. They do their banking online. Uh, you can deposit checks now online. And you can even use the cash app. You don't even have to, you know, you can transfer money. So technology is changing the way that we live. It's also going to change the way that we work. And people need to fundamentally just begin to learn and educate themselves and try to understand that. And when we also think about STEM, we need to think about it just beyond the typical tech world. STEM is in everything. You know, I think you said earlier about McDonald's, right? They're putting um, um, AI in, in mattresses to understand and to record your sleep patterns and so that you can get a better sleep. So it it's in everything that we do. And so the same way, I actually think it starts at the elementary that we need to look at um, primary and education a whole lot differently than what we're doing. We've got to upscale these curriculums. Um, teachers, in a sense, will almost become more consultants because a lot of kids are learning from apps and videos and things of that nature. And so we got to have uh, a very different lens on education and work. So there is just a numbers issue here. There is more jobs out there in the high-tech industry than there are people to fill it. Um, and if there isn't much diversity in the pool of uh, candidates going into STEM or staying in the STEM, we just basically have a gap there. So what can we be doing to help um, change this uh, you know, situation? What advice would you give to somebody who's just starting out that wanted to build a career in tech, in particular to those that may be from a more diverse background? So the one thing, if you have um, already graduated or maybe you don't even have a college degree, there are a lot of certificate programs that are out there that I would encourage people, if you want to get into tech, you can actually take some of these certificate programs and begin to build your knowledge and your understanding. Um, there are a lot of apps out there that does free coding where you can learn a lot of this stuff online. You don't have to be a coder, right? But if you can understand technology, you can understand how it works. You can begin to see um, uh, uh, where you can partner technology in some non-traditional spaces. That then begins to open up a world for you. Attend a form. Um, begin to uh, uh, put some RSS feeds out there and some feeds on your social media and just start following some of these people and understand how things are changing. That's a good place to start. I know some of the larger companies um, periodically have even free certification programs or, or at least reduced costs, such as Amazon, Google, and, and Microsoft. Microsoft, yeah, they, they, that, that, that stuff is out there. And, and, and like you said, a lot of it is free, and it's even some reduced costs. But even using... Um, the platforms like uh, Udemy and Coursera can literally take an online class for $19. That's like three cups of Starbucks coffee, depending on the size that you get, right? I'm speaking with Janice Glover-Jones, Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer, DIA. Next, we'll find out what inspired Janice to go into technology and how your career move to tech mid-career might happen. You're listening to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. I'm Elaine Black. 
Welcome back to Leaders and Legend in Government on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. I'm Aileen Black, and today I'm talking with Janice Glover-Jones, Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer, DIA. Janice, we talked about um, how to start a career in tech, but today many jobs are being eliminated, as we talked about, and with the technology advances. Do you think it is important for a mid-senior or uh, you know somebody in the middle of their career, folks, to become tech-savvy? Um, absolutely. Like I said, you don't need to become a technologist. We're not looking for you to become an engineer uh, or a, a database administrator or uh, understanding uh, how the software works and moving to a software as a service. Mm-hmm. But you should have some foundational understanding of those things from a technology standpoint. And again, understand how it can automation can change the role and how things are changing. Um, you know, I got into tech uh, almost by accident. Uh, I was a in a nursing program, and uh, my nursing program reached a point where I needed to do my clinicals. They changed the program, and it became an economics thing. I could not uh, afford to do the uh, um, the uh, clinicals at that time, and so I had to keep working. And so I, I literally just went into my counselor and I said, hey, I need to make a switch. I got to switch majors. And what can I switch to that does not require me losing a lot of credits? And I ended up in information systems management. And um, then at that point, I still never wanted to work into tech. But um, opportunities came and I launched out into the deep. Now, you started out as a GS1 and government. In the um, government. And you had your you had your you already had your bachelor's degree in. No, no, at that time I hadn't. I was actually going to. Um, so when I was a GS one, I hadn't graduated from high school yet. So oh I was goodness. working um, part time in a, uh, a special program through high school with the federal government. And uh, so then I actually went to school. And I had to go uh, part-time because I couldn't get grants or scholarships to go to college full-time. So I worked my way through college the whole time. So um, you talked about mid-career. We've been talking about mid-career folks. Um, now, you did it uh, pretty early in your career. Um, how would you switch, you know, let's say you're a GS-8 mm-hmm. or GS-9 mm-hmm. uh, and, and want to get more exposure into technology? How would you go about that? What advice would you have? Um, I, I think what I mentioned earlier about um, uh, going and seeking some of those certifications, take it, taking some of those courses online, um, but then actually be curious. Go and have some of the conversations with key leaders within your organization. Uh, see if there is a short-term project that you can get um, some 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 experience working around and understanding uh, shadow a senior in 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 the tech field uh, within your organization or a senior leader uh, see if you can spend a day understanding what their day is like to be in tech and just be curious you're listening to leaders and legend in government on federal news radio part of federal news network our guest today is janice glover jones chief diversity and inclusion officer dia uh, Janice, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. You were three decades at DIA, and we mentioned you started off as a GSA-1. You climbed your way through the ladder. Uh, that's a long climb. Most people don't start as a GS-1. Can you share a moment in your career that were really turning points? Wow. Um, there were a lot of them. Um, 
But I, I, I get, uh, at one point, I was having a bad day at work. <laughs> it's not just one day, right? And I was having a frustrating day, and I was talking to a, a colleague, and I was lamenting about someone else's problem that I was being asked to fix. And um, the colleague said to me, Janice, why don't you just own it? You are a problem solver. And I thought, yes, I'm okay if I solve problems that are my problems to solve and not anyone else's. And so she she said to me, she says, but why would they need you on the team if you weren't able to solve other people's problems and to help out the mission? And and it was that day that I, I reflected on that conversation, right? It, it, it made a, a, a turning point for me that I was actually um, – that I needed to own that, right, that it didn't matter where it was, and I should see that as, yeah, I'm able to take on the tough assignments. If listeners, if there's a listener out there that would like to follow in your steps, footsteps, your career, very successful career, what advice would you have for them? Um, there are a couple of things. Um, one I would say is remain authentic. And by that I mean be true to who you are and own who you are don't change to fit into a particular circle or an environment. Um, you change to grow. And if it's not that change, then you got to stay true to who you are. Uh, I encourage people to take calculated risks. And by that, I mean, you know, put some thought into it, weigh the pros and the cons, but you don't test the depth of the water by sticking both feet in, right? You, 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 you sit on the edge and you, you, you inch your way in. Um, be brave enough to have the conversations that matter. You know, when I said in the previous segment about uh, going and shadowing someone, asking questions of people, be intentional about building relationships from individuals and seeking feedback and seeking help. Um, there are people who that view that when you ask for help, that's a sign of weakness. I actually believe that that's a sign of true strength that you can ask for help because you're coming from a place that say, hey, I can't do this all on my own. Right. Every problem that I've solved, I've never solved a problem 100 uh, percent by Janice alone. You seek help and you seek out that. And then finally, um, my grandfather uh, is was an individual who he didn't say a whole lot. He was a very kind of quiet and reserved man. But when he spoke, there was always wisdom in, in what he had to say. And I remember a uh, long time ago, uh, some of me and my cousins, we were doing something. And my grandfather said to us, he says, you know, it's okay for you to taste success. He said, but once you taste it, I want you to always spit it out. Because if you choke, if you swallow it, you'll become full of yourself. And for a long time, I didn't, I was young. I really didn't understand what that meant. But as I got older, I really understood what that meant. You've been listening to Leaders and Legend in Government. My guest today has been Janice Glover-Jones, Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, DIA. Janice, I want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your personal journey and, and some very valuable advice. I'm Aileen Black. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Leaders and Legends in Government with Aileen Black. Subscribe to this podcast at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.